0: This is Couragecast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. I'm Eric Nordoff. Welcome to the Couragecast. A few days ago, I posted a quote from one of my favorite performance coaches and authors, Joshua Medcalf, and I'm sure I, I don't think he's the, I feel like I've heard this before and I don't feel like this is, he's the first one to say it like this, but regardless, I love it anyway. Everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires. Everyone wants to be great. We all do. I do. But every everyone wants to be great until... It's time to do what greatness requires. And it's basically insinuating the hard work, the sacrifice, the consistency, and the persistence through difficult challenges that greatness requires a great deal. And so I asked the question, what does greatness require? And I got some great answers. Um. So here are some of them. Here are some of them. Amanda said commitment, stewardship, endurance, a dream bigger than you, gums stuck to the bottom of your shoe on a hot summer day type of persistence. Matt Crosson said sacrifice, perseverance, and faith. Holly said faith endurance, why? And did I say faith? (laughs) Jackie said, being and remaining authentic to yourself. And Jolie said, surrender. So those are some of the the answers from some of the people that were uh, responding to what does greatness require. And I thought about it some more and I looked up Some commentary, uh, and I found a great post by a man named Chris Brady. He said, Everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires. And uh, he said, This if you're going to do what greatness requires, you're going to have to be great in order to earn what greatness delivers. For example, if you're going to do great financially, you probably have to be great as a man first. True greatness requires greatness. If you want to be an author, then you should start writing books. If you want to be a great author, you should start writing great books. Of course, right? That's, that's my commentary. And Chris goes on to say, the problem is that most people's lives are a mess. There's something called skillful living. And uh, he talks a little bit more about skillful living. Skillful living requires consistent, productive daily habits, and greatness requires skillful living. Mm -hmm. To break it down even further, daily habits require two components, the right inputs and time. By applying the right inputs over time, you'll be able to manufacture an awesome life. It all seems so obvious yet so people so few people actually do it. Why? Because most people underestimate the power of positive habits multiplied by time. And conversely, most people also underestimate the destructive power of negative habits over time. So, he goes on to kind of talk about what are the inputs those those positive inputs, positive habits that can be multiplied over time. He talks about reading. What do you read on a daily basis? That's designed to make you better. He talks about listening. What do you listen to on a daily basis? Who do you listen to? Who do you associate with? Who do you hang around with? Self-talk. What do you tell yourself? What do you watch? So what, what goes into your eyes? What do you visualize? What kind of future do you run in front of your mind? So once you've changed and identified your inputs, multiply them by time and you will achieve a great life. Remember time is a currency. You should spend it carefully and intentionally. I like some of these things that he says here. 20 years from now, what will you wish you had done today? It's a really interesting thing. When you start to think about what can you do today and what will it look like multiplied by time 20 years from now, what will you wish you had done today in your health, your family, your, in your soul, in your spirit, in your finances, personally, professionally for others create a picture of the best you, the things 20 years from now you will wish you had done today will represent the best you. You can't stop bad choices and habits. You can only replace them with productive choices and habits. So replace destructive stuff with positive stuff. And he goes on to say, you will always be thankful for the gifts your present self sends forward through time to your future self. And you will always be sick with the regret when you don't you want the life that greatness brings, you have to be willing to do the things that greatness requires. Greatness requires skillful living. Skillful living requires consistently productive ha- daily habits and consistently productive daily habits require the right inputs consistently applied over time. You have to look at the longer view. It's basically what he's saying. And ultimately it comes down to hunger. Most of the habits are not hard to do. They're just easier not to do. Greatness requires hunger. And if you've got hunger, there's no limit to what you can accomplish. So I like that. Thank you, Chris Brady, for that. And um, then I found a a great article uh, on lifeoptimizer.org. And he basically draws the conclusion. The author here draws the conclusion that the secret to greatness is choosing pain over pleasures continuously for a long time. So a little bit different. It's changing the inputs, right? And uh, it's it's having the courage to, to choose the pain over pleasure. We talked about that in my courageous life message, right? That um, it requires discipline. Living a courageous life requires doing things now versus doing things later. Like just deciding to do them now and stop procrastinating. Okay. The road to greatness is continuously painful for a long time. <laughs> That's not really good news, right? Um, and he goes on to say the difference between good people and great people is good people are ready to pay the price of being good, but they're not ready to pay the price of being great. It's totally. It's a totally different level. Enduring pain is, on several occasions, is okay. You know, we we will endure pain some sometimes whenever we have enough hunger to do it, but we can easily become complacent. Complacent. I find this in my in my DoTerra business. Um, It's incredibly challenging for me because we've reached a certain level where we've reached a certain income, and we're comfortable, and we've decided. You know, I'm satisfied, you know, um, yeah, you know, at one point, at what point do we want to stop choosing pain over pleasures to be great? You know, we're good. We're good. We're, we're good. We say that a lot. We're good. I'm good. I'm good. Good. Right. <laughs> but how about I'm great? You know, that, that's uh that's a whole nother level of thinking, And, um, and then it got me thinking about the deeper stuff. Okay. What, you know, that that's kind of what greatness looks like in the world. When, when you are thinking of human beings, normal human beings, like you and me, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, when you, when you add the element of spiritually, what is greatness in the kingdom of God. Now that's a whole different level. I think it's a whole different level. Not that it's better, but it's thinking more eternally, I guess. And you can find some things. I did some research and you can find some things about this. Jesus is asked this question. You know, he's asked about the greatest person in the kingdom. And uh, Jesus says, uh, basically in Matthew 18, 1 through 5, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus, his response, Jesus's response is just so not obvious initially, right? Afterwards, you, you think, oh yeah, that makes total sense. But he calls a, a little child to him and placed the child there among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven, much less be great, right? That's my, my comment. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name In Jesus' name, welcomes me. This is a timely incident. and occurred after the transfiguration and after Jesus' second prediction of his death. So Jesus had also just spoken about paying temple taxes, essentially claiming exemption as the son of God, yet miraculously providing for both Peter's tax and his own so as not to cause offense. Jesus healed a demon-possessed boy. Jesus' power was evident and the disciples recognized him as Messiah. Evidently, though, they were interested in what their roles would be in Jesus' kingdom. That's just like us, right? Rather than provide qualifications, which I just went through listing, for the greatest or talk about a hierarchical structure, Jesus said those who become like children, humble, were the greatest. Look it up, Matthew 18.4. And interestingly enough... After Jesus talks about the greatest being like a child, John tells Jesus that he, has, he had tried to stop others who were casting out demons in Jesus' name, and apparently the lesson had not quite sunken in, or perhaps John was convicted by Jesus' words and chose to confess his mistake. Jesus explained that what mattered was not who was doing the works, but the name in which the works were being done. It is God who deserves the glory, not an elite group of his followers. And then we also see later in Matthew 20, a request from John and James to sit with Jesus in his kingdom. Jesus replied by asking them if they were able to suffer as he was going to suffer, going back to sacrifice. And he then said, to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. Jesus said, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. So being great in God's kingdom is not about prestige or privilege or what we do. Rather, it involves responsibility, taking responsibility and sacrifice. Going back to living a courageous life, Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, sacrifice, pain, and take up their cross. Cross is not not a, not a, a pretty thing, not an easy thing and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, so doesn't hold on to their life sacrifices for me, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reach reward each person according to what they have done. Matthew 16. To be great is to serve sacrificially. Being great in God's kingdom is about giving oneself, giving yourself up for the sake of God's glory and for the benefit of others. It's about loving God and loving others. It's very much about what Ma- Mark Maxwell talked about last week. If you listen to that conversation, Mark talked about living his life on assignment imperfectly, but what an inspiring message to experience success through serving. Dustin Smith often talks about, I think about this a lot, that success in God's kingdom is about obedience. It's about sacrificing and, and being fully obedient. To God. So consistent in Jesus' teaching is that his kingdom is not like this world, not like the things that greatness looks like on the earth. It's not about fame or fortune or numbers of followers or about me or selfishness. Humans are so concerned with their status and their clout and their pecking order and we tend to rank people according to how things look to us in this world but jesus warned that using earthly criteria will never give an accurate picture of rank in god's kingdom human judgment is going to give way to god's judgment someday the first will be last and the last will be first so it's an upside down kingdom so rather than this is my concluding statement here so rather than strive to be the greatest in the world Great in the world's eyes. We should just simply trust in Jesus and serve others, living your life by assignment. Positions of power are meant to be positions of service rather than Lord our power over others were to use any influence or resources that we have to serve others. The greatest in the kingdom are those who have the humility of a child and the meekness of of Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5.5. 5. What is valued in God's kingdom is loving the way he loved us selfis- selflessly. selflessly. Turns the whole idea and concept of greatness upside down. And it's a challenge that I'm giving myself and I guess a challenge I'm sharing with you is pursue greatness, pursue greatness. Many want to be great. Many want to be great, but they want to be great up until the time that they're called on to be great, which requires Sacrifice, giving up your life, selfless living, living life by assignment, being humble like a child, and real success is experienced through serving. And I'll tell you, it doesn't, it's not all pain. There's a great adventure ahead of you. There's a great ahead, uh, adventure ahead of us for all of us. When we look at life and the success in life through serving, there's, you can look at anything that you're given the task to do, any assignment you're given by God, anything you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, anything that when you surrender your own life and sacrifice your own will, and you begin to look at anything you do, anything that's in front of you and you and me, as serving, as the opportunity to serve. I get to serve. I get to lead. I get to do this thing because it's gonna honor God and it's what he's calling me to do. And I can approach it with a faith and and a, a joy, like a child has joy in things, in playing. So in essence, it's kind of like playing. I love seeing a child get totally caught up in a thing that they're doing. I love seeing my daughter playing with her slime. That's not a sacrifice to her, but it's playful. There's a joy in it. Think about what that looks like for you. Where do you find your joy? Do you find it in some destination that's that someone's going to praise you and give you approval? Or do you want to act from a place of already being approved, already being seen as a, as God's son or daughter? And you get to serve and get to live this life, laying down your life on assignment for others, for the good of the world, for good of others. That is a beautiful way of living. Friends, I hope this is an encouragement to you. I look forward to talking with you more about this in future episodes. But for now, I think we're good. I think we're great. I'm Eric Nordoff, and this is Courage Cast. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Courage Cast. I want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life. You can do that very simply by visiting CourageousCommunity.com forward slash challenge. That's CourageousCommunity.com forward slash challenge.